0: Welcome to At The Root with Greg Kuyper. Hello, Greg.
1: Hello and welcome, everyone.
0: If you have a question or you'd like to connect with Greg, you can call in at 425-373-5527. Again, 425-373-5527. In the meantime, you should know that Greg is a practicing psychotherapist and holistic life coach who has learned through professional practice and personal experience that without connection to self real connection with others is near impossible because emotional connection is at the root of healthy living it is it's it's like as i said it's a mantra <laughs> um so takeaways from last week yeah so you to catch people up have been illustrating the importance of connection in our intimate relationships i um, talking about married couples, Steve and Charlotte. I've yes. taken to calling her Char now.
1: Okay, Char will work. <laughs> I won't tell <laughs> her.
0: You know, I'm like, hey, Char. Um, and you have been using them as a talking point, talking about their issues, what brought them to therapy, and you, and the process that you've been taking them through together and separately. Yes. That's so, right. um, last week, you talked about meeting with just Charlotte. I did. It was fascinating.
1: It was, you know, we're we're trying to work through this critical loop where they each of them are criticizing each other and then their conflict happens and then they withdraw and it just keeps going around and around and around and, and hopefully we're the, the plan is to help them realize that this loop is just the tip of the iceberg and it's it, it and how they're dancing around the real issues which stem from subconscious emotional hurts, injuries from the past, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just mm-hmm. lurking in the subconscious and we're reacting with them or they are reacting from them in their day-to-day life. And this triggers these coping mechanisms that they developed sometime in the past, right, when the hurt happened.
0: Right. And as a review, you talk about the, uh, these coping mechanisms um, or, you know, anxious versus avoidant, just right. for review for people.
1: Right. Right. And we you know, it it was pretty clear last week, I think, that that uh, Charlotte uh, is an anxious attachment type.
0: Oh, I have become an armchair psychotherapist. Okay, I'm like, I know what's up with my girl, Cheryl. (laughs) 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 I'm like, she's got some abandonment issues. Oh, yeah. Dad left. Mom had to basically leave as well to go off to work. Right. She felt like she had no stable underpinning, and so that's a straight shot between that those experiences and her anxious avoidant coping it, mechanism. It is. Bam. That'll you be, got it. I don't know, $5, <laughs> because okay. that's as far as I can get. I can't help you, Char. <laughs> I just, I see you. So anyway. Yeah. You
1: know, those feelings of rejection and abandonment are feeding right into Steve's aloofness, you know. I don't want to talk about it you know, he just doesn't want to talk about it, anything emotional um, or any, when she brings up a desire or a need that is emotional or her needs when she brings them up, um, he doesn't want to talk about it because of his style that we'll look into today as we talk with him individually. So, you know, if they're not, they're triggering each other back and forth. And uh, with these coping mechanisms and, you know, they're, these adaptations, if you will, um, were extremely useful back when they were needed, right? Whenever this was happening in childhood, or maybe it's, it doesn't have to be in childhood all the time. It could be a trauma from a first relationship when you're 20s or whenever. It, it doesn't matter. But uh, these adaptations are you know, useful when they're needed. But the intensity and the frequency of their use over time you know, they get embedded subconsciously and they become part of our normal way of behaving every day. Mm-hmm. Much of our day-to-day lives can be spent on autopilot, right? We're on autopilot. And and we're operating mindlessly from our subconscious most of the time, mm-hmm. you know? And um, that's where these adaptations reside continually on duty to protect us from what they perceive as emotional threat.
0: Yeah, I mean... They're obviously, they're not even aware of these things. So they're not, it's not really, they're not trying to trigger each other. It's literally like this subconscious thing that they're doing based on these past hurts. So she needs something because she needs to feel like she's not going to be abandoned. He probably, I'm just going to project here, he probably has his own daddy issues. And, (laughs) you know, like showing how to help somebody or how to be intimate in that way probably wasn't modeled for him, and so he avoids it and so on and so forth.
1: Right, right. And, and, and these subconscious protectors, right, that we have built in whenever we experience anything close to this emotional distress that we had in the past, this is, it's a part of them, right, that's doing that. It's, it, you know, we all have these parts, that we've subconsciously developed and nurtured over time and they they're they're all vying to be in charge during our daily activities you know the criticizing one no you can't do that because you just can't you're just not good enough right Mm -hmm. there's that part of you in there or the part of you that uh, you know you don't be feeling those emotions you know I've got to protect you from that and so there's this 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 protector part and they're they're really loud and prevalent and and The real you, that inner self, is cowering in the corner. This little girl or boy that's damaged, hurt, scared, and really not even allowed in the conversation because we're operating subconsciously on an emotional level. I hear clients say things like, well, a part of me just wants to get in the car and drive away and never come back. And so when they say a part of me, right, I mean, it's, it's just indicating that we've got these parts in there that are talking to
0: us. Oh, my fantasy was always getting in some kind of an accident that kept me in the hospital in a coma for three months. I decided that that's the perfect three amount months. of time because I, my husband would have to deal with some major holiday and a kid's birthday. So <laughs> it needed to be a quarter of like a week's not enough. That was my thing. Three months okay. Okay. to appreciate what
1: I go through. Okay. We're going to have to find a time that you can come in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Maybe know weekly or twice a week. I don't know. No. <laughs> anyway, I'm
0: just saying that I relate to Char and to Steve. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, you know, as we try to get to know these parts, uh, it, it's very effective in therapy for many clients to work with these, right? And it, it just comes from Richard Schwartz and his internal family systems model, as well as Janina Fisher has a model of resolution, transforming a relationship to oneself. And it's just working with these inner parts and getting them to either calm down or concede some control over the true self, you know, as, as we work through it. Um, and at this stage with Charlotte and Steve, I'm wanting them to realize that there's a part of each of them that is— working subconsciously, like we've been talking about, under the radar, you know, in a reactionary way that causes behaviors that are triggering their partner's part or parts, and and they're doing the same thing, and it triggers the other person's part or parts, and it just goes back and forth and on and on. And um, hopefully, with this realization, they can understand that the other is not consciously or maliciously harming trying to harm someone. They're just reacting subconsciously as they always have. And, and hopefully they can, you know, as they discover these parts, reach out at individual therapy and work with them. You know, it's a little difficult to do in couples therapy, but, but we do if both uh, partners are willing to. And it, it, it's actually very effective because they can work together and tame each other's wild parts in there
0: hmm So yeah. interesting. Um yeah. yeah. I mean, the individual therapy is so, is so key. I mean, last week, you know, in Charlotte's session, it was just so evident so very quickly as you went back to her family of origin and, mm. you know, you asked those questions where some of this came from. And not that you always have to go back and, as you say, blame right. your family of origin and all that. It's just there's something. I mean, she even talked about you know, the first boyfriend that she had and how he said that she was needy. And so, you know, she's got the, the double whammy. Um And yeah. so in her session that you had individually, you talked about this fear of rejection that she had and uh, the abandonment and all of these things that um, proceeded to trigger Steve so that he would withdraw.
1: Right, just withdraw. I don't want to deal with this, you know. We've talked about this before, whatever. It, it just, it's an endless pattern so that it, it appears so that he doesn't have to get in touch with any emotions that are surrounding this. and So we'll find out about that today.
0: All right. Let's, here we go, Steve. Let's see let's, what's let's, up with let's you. Let's see
1: what happens with Steve's individual session. When he came into the office, I could tell that he was a bit uneasy. And right away he said he'd never been alone with a the therapist before. I thought that was an interesting choice of words. <laughs> I know, I was <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was anticipating some kind of ordeal, maybe, or torture. But uh, I reassured him and I said, Steve, I just want to spend this time getting to know you better. And I found that it is more comfortable one on one rather than both partners being here, at least for the first time. And he said, I guess I get that. I've been thinking that this meeting is happening for you to pump me for information about my past or things I don't want to share about Charlotte or with Charlotte. And I replied, you won't find me doing any pumping. I hope you'll share with me willingly whatever you're comfortable with. Let me know if things are getting tense and you don't want to go there. And in couples counseling, I don't want to talk about anything that can't be shared with your wife. Okay, That doesn't work very well with trust and the same goes for her so as we go through this couple's work even when we're meeting individually we need to be open and honest uh, with each other so he jumps in and he says I don't have anything I wouldn't share with her really and he paused for a few seconds and then he goes well maybe stuff about my life prior to me knowing her and I ask so you haven't shared much with her about your life before the two of you I haven't told her a lot, he replied. I don't see the point in digging up the past. It's over and done with. You just keep on plugging away, you know, day to day. I mean, she knows I was engaged before, and I had a couple of relationships before that, and she knows I had a rough childhood. But other than that, now, so you were engaged before Charlotte and had a couple of other romantic relationships. And he replied, I was engaged for a year, and then we broke it off. That was a year before meeting Charlotte. And romantic relationships, <laughs> I guess that's what you call them. I've always been in a relationship with a woman. Since ninth grade, actually. I guess that would be a, with a girl back then. Any idea how many prior to Charlotte? I asked. Do you really want me to count them? He asked sarcastically. And I said, No, just give me a general idea. I don't know. Four, five, Six, maybe. Over the course of what, eight years, I asked? Yeah, something like that. So it's becoming obvious at this point that Steve had problems with emotional engagement in relationships with women, right? I mean, and probably in any kind of a relationship, mm-hmm. friends were. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't help at this time but think about Charlotte and her not knowing about all this prior to them getting together. I wonder how that would have changed things. Right. So I asked him, uh, so Charlotte didn't know about all these relationships? And he replied, no, and she still doesn't really. She knows about the one, the engagement. Shifting gears, I said, you mentioned a rough childhood. Tell me about that. I mean, just an overview. Oh, man, where to start? An overview is really all I can give. I, I don't have many memories of my childhood. He paused, and looking down, he went on. My dad was a cop, a Vietnam vet, hard-ass jerk, really. He was never around much, and when he was, we were always on edge. You and your mom, I asked, and my younger sister, two years behind me, Allie. He went on. My mom was a saint. Did everything she could to keep things together and show us love, but she was scared all the time, always anticipating the worst from him when he was there. That fear really rubbed off on Allie and I. I hated it when he was around. So I then asked him, Go back as far as you can in your memory and give me five adjectives that describe your relationship with your dad. He said, Relationship? What relationship? Angry, mean, jerk. I interrupted him. Not adjectives about your dad, but about your relationship with him. He looked at me puzzled for at least 10 seconds. Then he blurts out, distant, contentious, scary. That's all I've got. I remember emotions weren't allowed by anyone. Except him and his anger. I don't have many memories about him. So we're kind of starting, Stacey, right? We're getting a picture of Steve's avoidant attachment style, right? Oh, yeah. Avoidants tend to not remember much about their childhood. They don't from, you know, middle school back. A lot of them don't remember much. Mm-hmm. Um, they blocked it out. Many times... Expressing emotions for them has caused problems so that this defense adaptation blocks them out and hides them away. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, if they don't show emotion, somehow things are better around the house, so they don't show emotion, right? They just back off. They have a tendency to keep intimacy at arm's length, right, or, and, and to diminish the importance of relationships, and you can see that in Steve, right? Oh, just, big time. Yeah. And they often were neglected by one or the other caregiver. And when a caregiver is present a lot of time in those situations, it's generally uh, teaching a task, right? Which isn't really an emotional connection. And, and, and in this case, the mother was basically teaching the kids how to survive the father's anger, right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Avoidance. Um, have disconnected, basically, emotionally. And they've put their brakes on their attachment system. Okay,
0: so ironically, I relate more with Steve than Char. Okay. So it's very interesting because, as you're describing these things, I'm realizing that in my childhood, you know, Mm. I didn't have the jerk cop and all that kind of stuff. However, um, emotion was not something that occurred. I had no role models for that. And, you know, at 51... I'm. That's something that I'm actively working on right now. Right, sure. Getting in touch with emotions other than anxiety, which isn't really a, an emotion, but other than fear, um, or you know anything else. Right. So it's, it's
1: anxiety is fear. So there's an emotion. There you go. Right?
0: So yeah. yeah. So I'm as much as I'm not a fan of Steve. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> Steve and I are. Yeah. Well,
1: we got to remember Steve is acting subconsciously from the past, right? I mean. Um, when he's able to bring all of this into consciousness, it, it, I'm, I'm hoping he'll be a better person, right? He'll, well, and he'll I, be more understanding.
0: And I know from my, from my standpoint, it's like you're terrified of passing it on to your kids.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is very intergenerational. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the session, right? I, I then said to him, now see if you can come up with five adjectives that describe your relationship with your mom as far back as you can remember. He replied, "She was always worried." Oh, wait, that's about her. Uh, the relationship was. He took a pause and he looked over my shoulder. It was a caring relationship, but eggshelly, you know. What's a word for that? It's a good word. Yeah, vigilant. I asked. Yes, but more like hyper vigilant, protective. I knew she loved us, though it was like we were all trapped in the situation together. Mm -hmm. That must have been very hard, I said. Yes, it was really hard. But if I kept my mouth shut and walked the walk, and then I said to him, Steve, it's, it's really amazing how these defensive strategies we developed early on to basically just survive become so embedded in our subconscious behavior But over time, we just operate automatically the same way, day after day. Years later, these adaptations we made are still operating behind the scenes. We're on autopilot. You are to this day not comfortable with your emotions. Nope, don't say anything. And that's okay. You can change that. Those strategies aren't useful anymore. They are in the way of your relationship with yourself and with others. They're holding you back. That's a lot to think about, he said quietly.
0: Amen, Steve.
1: And I replied, it is. But if you and Charlotte are both willing, we can work on these personal relationship blockers together, the three of us. I'm willing. I got to tell you, I just don't know what to do. And I told him, that's my job, to help you with that. Trying to reassure him. I continued, for now, just know that neither one of you are intentionally trying to hurt each, the other. Right? I mean, you, you agree with that. Yes, I do. This is reactionary behavior from your subconscious. And we'll learn how to bring it into consciousness, right? Where we can figure it out. Currently, your withdrawal from feeling emotions and listening to her emotions is triggering her fear of abandonment and rejection. And that fear of hers is triggering you not wanting to go to that emotional place. And this just goes on and on. And the conflict arises and... and you know, well into this this conflict that you're having. You don't even know why it started, but you're in the pattern. You're back in the critical loop. So figuring out and just knowing these triggers are going to help you both get to the point of hearing and knowing each other's needs and desires. And that's where we want to go. We want to be able to listen to each other's needs and desires without getting triggered into this, this automatic response that we've been doing forever. So that was, we were out of time, and I ended the session asking him to see how aware of these triggers he could be over the course of the week. Just just being a little curious and, and coming from a place of wonder, not dread or not a chore, but just trying to see the moments that he can see he might be triggering Charlotte or she might be triggering him. And then that's what we would want to talk about together in the next session. So there you are, Stacey. I mean, wow,
0: we have a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> we have lots of work to do. Now, um, you know, that's, that's tricky because Steve is really just as much you know, I go back to that little kid place, and you're talking about that little mm-hmm. kid that's kind of hiding in the corner and whatever. And he, at one time, felt just as vulnerable as Charlotte did. Mm-hmm. And his approach to it, though, was to just deal and soldier on. Right. And for her, she so internalized it and, you know, needs to have this safety net at all times.
1: Well, yeah, I just think she, I mean, She's needy for reassurance and comfort. Very needy for that. Always needing that as much as possible. And he has no clue how to provide that because subconsciously, I mean, it's just the way he's been operating. He hasn't ever done this. Right. And and the very thought of having, uh, when she goes to that place, it just triggers him into clamming up, closing the door. We've talked about this,
0: mm-hmm. you know. Well, and I'm sure he was needy at one time, too, but then, you know, never had, you know, way, way, way back and right. never had the opportunity to do that. And so he's almost treating her with the same, like, disdain that his father treated him.
1: For oh, there needy. you go. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this you. is so intergenerational. It, 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 it's amazing uh, that, you know, and I look back, my dad was a difficult person to say the least. And his dad was to him. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact his dad was to him. So mm-hmm. there's three, four generations that I know yeah, uh, acted the same way and produced the same effect, you know, uh, on their offspring.
0: But you're stopping the critical loop.
1: I am, yes.
0: Which is huge. It, it took now, a lot for me. but I have a really quick question because we only sure. have like two minutes here. Can a avoidant type, and then a extra avoidant type get together?
1: Okay, I want you to think about that for a second. (laughs) Neither one of them express emotions. Neither one of them want to. Neither one of them have, probably since they were children. So I suppose that you could have two people like that living together as friends. Uh, uh, Convenience. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, how? uh,
0: I'm asking for a friend.
1: (laughs) Yeah, okay.
0: (laughs) All right. On that note.
1: (laughs) Well, think about it. I mean, how would that, I guess it could work, but there would be no emotional connection there. Deep, that deep attunement uh, that we humans need so much. And, you know, if you think about it, anxious and an anxious trying to get together, too, that would be, I mean, Mm -hmm. just emotional wreckage, really.
0: Yes. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. So we are. <laughs> if you, like me, need to get in touch with Greg Kuyper to talk about the critical loop that you are in potentially with yourself or with your loved ones, then you can get in touch with Greg at KuyperCounseling.com. Greg is also on Facebook and Instagram under Kuiper Counseling. And uh, as always, Greg, this is... Very interesting. What's your final words for folks here?
1: Awareness is so important. Everyone, stay aware out there.
0: We'll see you next week.
1: I know.